welcome everyone. In the last podcast, we spoke about the four primary psychic gifts or intuitive gifts. Among them was clairaudience, right? So when your psychic, intuitive, extrasensory information comes primarily through hearing or music or sound. So naturally, clairaudient people would be drawn to um, perhaps sound healing or hearing music, uh, creating music, singing. And the gift, uh, the phenomenon I was going to talk to you about, it would appeal, I believe, primarily to naturally clairaudient people. But again, it is available for everyone. And it is light languages. So I'm going to talk to you about light languages today. First of all, what are light languages? Well, the easiest way to explain it in one sentence for those with a Christian background, I would say it would be speaking in tongues. So light languages are sounds, words, languages that are not human, that are not from here, and that have a spiritual effect, a healing effect on the level of the mental body, emotional body, physical body and spiritual body. So light languages can be sounds that are completely non-human, such as chirping birds or just um, tonal sounds that you're making um, that don't even resemble a language, but are more like a song of, of nature or a particular vibrational frequency, like you just feel drawn to make a particular tonality with with your vocal organs, right? You'll just go, ah, and that, no matter how strange it may sound or may not sound, it has some resonance, some vibration in your body. That is something that can also be a light language, but most uh, commonly it is a collection of sounds that sounds like a language, but is not is not any language that we know. And um, this um, is very similar then to the Christian uh, concept of speaking in tongues. And I'm actually going to start with this and its history and then explain a little bit my own guidance uh, in relation to, you know, what happened to it in the hun last 150 years and, and why it resurfaced again. But uh, more broadly speaking, light languages can also be in the form of sacred geometry. For example, if you're not a clairaudient person, um, the same message, the same code can come through to you as a shape in the form of uh, a geometric shape or a symbol. The same code, the same message can come through to you in the form of an alphabet, non-human alphabet. 
where each sound is represented by a letter, sound or combination of sounds is represented by a letter, and so suddenly you create an alphabet of its own. And uh, there are, and there have been, uh, so-called magical alphabets used specifically for this purpose. We'll touch upon them, but I'm going to focus on the vocal um, expression of it, of the vocal expression of, of light language. But the point is, it is, uh, so having a light language speaking or writing or seeing light language is a form of channeling and it's a form of you know channeling whereby our human brain processes a higher frequency energy and puts it into shape uh, most commonly as i said sound because sound is a vibration and sound has healing properties sound can align even the cells of your body realign the cells of your body can heal physical disease can heal uh, mental or emotional imbalance and so on so the most common expression of a light language is in the form of sound actually and very often in the form of language uh, with or without interpretation of the meaning it depends a little bit on the purpose so not to complicate this any, any further and go into all directions at the same time. So then light language is utterances in a non-human either language or a combination of sounds. Well, the most common um, example or historical example of using light languages does indeed come from Christianity and the experience of the Pentecost. So I'm going to start with that. Um, so after the ascension of Christ, of Jesus, his disciples gathered, uh, his students uh, gathered together uh, with Mary, with Mother Mary, um, in what is referred to as the upper room. And I believe um, this upper room was above the tomb of David, the Hebrew prophet, right, who wrote the Psalms, the, the musician, the singer, the one who would burst out spontaneously in songs of praise to God, to the Lord, to the Creator, who could start dancing on the street, praising the Lord, and uh, one of his wives would laugh at him and say, what are you doing? You're a grown man dancing like an idiot in the street, and he would say, no, I'm praising God, right? So another charismatic person, a songwriter, a poet, an artist, um, with a sometimes very impulsive decisions and uh, artistic artistic life at, at, at some point. So this David um, was buried in Jerusalem um, and uh, the disciples, the students of Jesus, they gathered um, together to celebrate the uh, Jewish holiday of Shavuot. Um, which was basically a harvest festival, you could say. Um, so 
David, according to the Jewish tradition, was born on Shavuot. And it was a tradition, uh, still is, to visit the tomb of David uh, on Shavuot to pay respects to him, to kind of seek the blessing of the prophet. Um, still today, the upper room where it is believed that the, you know, the students, the disciples of Jesus gathered together with Mother Mary, it is still today above uh, the tomb of David, the traditional place of the tomb of David, although they say the physical bones of David are no longer there. But in the Jewish tradition, that was always the place where people went, basically, to to pay respects to David, right? To go um, on, on Shavuot as part of the rituals, uh, so to, to get blessings from David. So um, for, for me personally, uh, it is the place where they gathered because it also makes a lot of sense. They went uh, on their annual pilgrimage and then they went to a room above to the house that was neighboring the tomb and the room on the uh, above the ground floor level uh, for prayer for gathering but then suddenly something happened and they received as if tongues on, of fire uh, resting above uh, everyone's head and they started praising God in unknown languages. And now this episode is interpreted in two ways. Either they just started praising God and singing in languages no one could understand, just spontaneous utterances, or they started speaking languages that were unknown to them, but known to others, because there is a biblical account where it says, well, everyone could understand them. People from who were speaking different dialects and languages could each hear them speak in their own language. And what does it actually mean, right? Whether they were speaking um, a, a light language that does not have a human equivalent and the listeners were hearing something else or whether, let's say, Apostle John was uh, speaking uh, the Egyptian dialect and uh, Apostle Thomas was speaking uh, some other dialect, right? And so they each figured out. So um, whatever may have happened, um, I personally, again, believe that it was a matter of speaking a light language and the listeners uh, heard according to their ability, according to their own perception, right? But whatever, whatever it was, this day um, kind of signifies, right, the birth of the Christian community because they received the Spirit of God, so guidance from above. Uh, higher level guidance that literally descended on them and just overfilled them, overflowed. And people were even saying, oh, why? <laughs> it's still morning. Why are your disciples drunk? 
and uh, they said, no, no, we are not drunk. We are full of the spirit, right? So uh, again, this kind of erratic behavior, behaviors of drunk with the Holy Spirit. And maybe if you've had a profound spiritual experience, you know exactly what I'm talking about when you feel so full of spirit, so full of higher vibration. You, you can even you know, walk in uh, not in a very straight line and mumble something incomprehensible and have a hard time doing human things. So that was the experience that they had, completely raptured, right? full of spirit. Um, so that's the, that's the Christian story. Then um, this gift somehow disappears. The um, accounts of speaking in tongues, speaking in foreign, previously unknown languages or where you know utterances that are of non-human origin it it disappears in fact in the 12th century the doctor of the church bernard of clairvaux um, said that well speaking in tongues it's no longer present because now there are greater miracles uh, the lives of the believers are transformed it is far greater than making an utterance uh, you know, in an unknown language. So uh, they considered that it was basically the gift was uh, no longer needed, right? That, okay, the church is established. Now the church is in every country imaginable. So it's, it speaks itself a multitude of languages and Latin was then the common language united them. So kind of the Babylon was reversed, right? The human um, inability to understand each other because of the language is now reversed in spirit we are all one um, and of course uh, from the higher perspective and according to my own guidance that's also this purpose of light languages is to transcend the barrier of 3d limitations right of human languages if uh, if i don't speak arabic and you start speaking arabic to me i don't understand you but uh, with the gift of the language of light, uh, I may be able to understand the message, right? The meaning. Um, or I may be able to transmute to you the energetically healing language. We also know that um, language and sound is still considered sacred like for example um, scriptures right uh, you recite mantras in sanskrit you don't translate them to another language because the sound and the frequency of the mantra itself is believed to be healing you recite prayers in arabic because the prayers the recitations themselves are healing on a level that is not understood necessarily by the human mind but it has a healing frequency you recite prayers in hebrew because it's more it doesn't matter how much you understand or how much you use it in real life right but the sound itself is believed to have a healing ability so the ancients knew it um, and so this gift of a light language it's 
this attempt to bridge, you know, not being able to understand. Well, my sacred scripture is in Arabic, and mine is uh, in Latin, and mine is in uh, in Hebrew, and mine is in Sanskrit. And how can we understand each other, right? Well, is my scripture more healing than yours, etc.? Uh, and the format of the light language bridges this, again, beyond human understanding, but that's the principle of, you know, infusion of those sound codes beyond even what we can understand, so that we can claim no um, ownership to a sacred tradition, right? My language is no better than yours, I'm just receiving it from above. Now, um, so in in Christian times, the, after the first uh, maybe couple of centuries, the the gift of tongues wasn't really much discussed or or spoken about, and uh, was believed for the most part to have gone because it was no longer needed for preaching and establishing church. Um, but then something interesting. Um, there were pockets, though. There were pockets of people who had um, ecstasies, let's say, you know, and uh, are said to have spoken in tongues. Uh, for example, a Saint Hildegard, a very interesting personality in the 12th century, they say she spoke and wrote Latin, uh, but she never learned it. So it was, it was given to her. Um, there were some traditions or some sects that are said to have spoken in tongues. Um, but overall, um, then we hear the use of tongues um, in uh, early Quakers, who are, were very kind of pietist, very um, inner listening to God, tradition that uh, focused on the use of silence in meetings and being moved by the spirit and in the 17th century they did sp speak in tongues um, also mormons uh, placed uh, the latter day saints they placed a great emphasis so it's, that was the 19th century and their reports uh, like around 1830s uh, that you know they used uh, tongues in modern practice However, um, speaking in tongues really became uh, commonplace or known in the Christian world in the 20th century, actually the very beginning of the 20th century, um, January 1st, 1901. Um, the Pentecostal uh, movement, the founders of the Pentecostal movement. Um, it was Charles Parham and William Seymour. So Parham apparently opened um, a Bible college in Kansas. And on January 1st, 1901, he had a student, Agnes Osman, and she asked for prayer and for someone to lay hands on her. She wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That was specific request. And she was the first to start speaking in tongues. So they laid hand on, hands on her and she started praising God with those sounds, right, that are, are just coming out. Um, the, the first hours of the 20th century. So that was a very interesting story, I thought. Uh, and the movement spread. 
uh, the pen Pentecostal um, churches became very common, right? First in the U.S., then of course um, in Europe. Um, and uh, speaking of tongue in tongues was one of the kind of main principles that you know. Of course, other gifts of the spirit, um, kind of those. Uh, more ecstatic states, more free-flowing states that may be remind of the uh, prophet David um, in the Bible. But think that this was only, what, 123 years ago, right? It's, it's not much, even in terms of Christian history. That was recent. And in fact, my own guidance uh, suggested that this is a part of preparing for the new age, for the age of Aquarius, for going into higher vibration, that those frequencies became available. Okay, they were interpreted in a Christian context, and, uh, well, we are not theologians, at least I'm not a theologian, so I'm not going to go into details and comparative religions, but the gift was f made freely available to wide <laughs> masses of people, uh, really 120 years ago, as a start of this mo greater movement, right, movement of spirit movement towards wider awareness of divine grace, of connection to the divine, where everyone can channel God, right? Everyone can connect to God, everyone can know God, and even speak the tongues of angels. Um, so variously, these light languages have been then referred as speaking in tongues. Which tongues? As I said, two main um, ideas, either uh, hum real human languages that you know without having learned them. Uh, it's possible, uh, I believe. Also this aspect of speak of, you know, kind of mastering a language for supernaturally. Um, but most commonly then uttering sounds that are not of human origin. Uh, languages of angels. Uh, it is the same definition that we basically use um, also in, uh, you know, let's say New Age movement or, or spiritual contexts that are not a part of any religion. It is speaking the languages of angels, of high beings, of other dimensions, and importantly, probably the most important thing is the language of your soul. Your soul also has a code. It has a sound code. Um, in those higher dimensions, I think what happens is, um, you know, there is this greater mobility, greater fluidity. Um, it's not either or. So the sound code may come to you as color or as um, an, a visual, as a figure, as a, some sort of geometric figure, right? As a character, a symbol. Um, that is fine because in those higher realms, one, um, this information, when this code comes down and we have to translate it for ourselves in our reality, 
we translate it differently. Everyone translates it in its own way. So it's normal to maybe have different interpretations for what the soul code is. But I am told that by my, my own guidance that the soul code is a frequency, right? It's a vibration. In fact, um, the Sufis, the Islamic mystics, they say that, well, when it was time for the soul to incarnate in a human body, the soul didn't want to, right? So the divine made it, um, made music, created music, and the soul went into ecstasy on hearing the music, and it went into the body because it, it was it was in a trance, right? It was happy. It said, oh, okay, whatever. I'll incarnate. <laughs> Let it be. And so then the belief is that uh, every soul has uh, its own music, its own song. And so once you hear it, once you recover it, you reconnect to your soul. And this, in, from my perspective, it is ultimately the purpose of speaking the light language. It is to reconnect with your soul. It's not to uh, say, oh, now I speak the languages of angels, or now I can <laughs> write uh, books in Latin, right? It's not to be <laughs> possessed by uh, spirits or be possessed by a light being or um, whatever it is, an angel, right? Or to talk to angels. But it is to connect to the source. It is to connect to your soul. It is to remember who you are, to bring into alignment all the parts of you that have been disconnected. That's the, the purpose, the core of the light language. Right. Now, all of this is fine, but <laughs> what, <laughs> what do we practically do? How do we start speaking a light language? Some of you might already be speaking it. And for most people, it's actually, it, it comes very naturally, the only issue is our own blocks, uh, maybe fears, or we think, oh my goodness, everyone's going to think I'm stupid, right? What am I just going to babble? Um, but it is exactly that. In order to start channeling a light language, you'll need to start babbling. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to say that, and <laughs> hope it doesn't doesn't offend the the higher realms. Um, but it is exactly that because your mind is not participating in it. So the only thing that can block it is the mind. For some people, it comes easier than than for others. Um, as I said, there is um, a possibility that you might be more naturally a channeler of symbols or of magical alphabet. You can look up magical alphabets. I'm not going to go into this now. Um, but there were uh, specific alphabets created also for purposes of, um, let's say, binding and unbinding, creating and destroying on the higher planes. 
and there are of course sacred symbols and uh, sacred geometrical shapes um, and we see them uh, on earth throughout earth history uh, that have also been channeled at one point right by someone somewhere and it's uh, it's also part of those light codes that are being downloaded but in terms of a language it's a spiritual experience, so you are either initiated into it by the laying of hands of someone who already has it, um, and your intention is to ask for it. Now, the times have changed dramatically in the past 120 years, and uh, we don't even have to physically lay hands. It can be imparted remotely, right? You can remotely lay hands on the person and uh, fill them in, fill them up with that energy. The way that people will respond will be different. It's not an automatic factor. And also those light languages, they're very different f for some people. As, they, as I said, some channel really extraterrestrial uh, languages that have very strange <laughs> sounds like uh, clicks and um, chirping and uh, tonal uh, uh, modalities or some start singing without having uh, the, the singing voice etc uh, and some of them are really like languages um, I know for me personally, I struggled for a long time with using light languages because, um, um, well, paradoxically, because of the Christian Pentecostal movement, because some of them were saying, oh, that's the only sign that you have the Holy Spirit. Um, and I never believed that. I said, no, but there are many manifestations. It doesn't mean that everyone has to channel a light language. But I started um, praying in tongues in a Catholic church. Well, there is a Catholic charismatic movement um, that also uses this. Um, and, and actually, they have a very beautiful way of using tongues as um, a communal singing, um, praising. Uh, it usually turns into like a multi, um, what's it called, polyphonous uh, singing. Um, and it was a great um, experience because it immediately felt um, like being immersed into something, uh, like being indeed filled with the spirit, right? Filled with something higher than myself. Um, I experienced it also in my body physically, like um, maybe having uh, shivers or like feeling touched by feathers or having pressure on my crown chakra. Very often I experience that um, as if someone is laying hands on me. So that is, that is another um, way, like for example, if you're clairsentient, um, you can also experience those higher spiritual frequencies kind of coming to you through sensations in your body. So I um, often when I start using light languages, then uh, I would feel a pressure on the crown chakra as if someone is laying hands on me and like uh, tingling in the body, especially upper part of the body, like the shoulders, arms, you know, hands. Um, and um, 
that's that's basically all there is to it. There is intention. Please let me receive the light language. There is connection. There is tuning in. And you, <laughs> you have to start babbling. So the mind has to stop the criticism um, and just just let it let it happen and sometimes it can be that you feel very um, full spiritually right you feel the fullness you feel overjoyed maybe you are visiting a place of power right maybe you received healing or powerful download maybe you are feeling great after a healing session experiment with it Close your eyes and see if something maybe comes out of your mouth. Maybe your tongue even begins to vibrate and wants to say something. You want to sing. You know how it is sometimes. You feel so overjoyed or so full of, of light that you want to sing. So let this light come out in the form of sound. It can be... A singing sound that you're making, it doesn't have to be a language that you're making up as you go along. Or you may feel that words are forming and you don't really know what these words mean. But you can also ask what these words mean and it, it may come as well. But try in those times, so don't force it when you are in your logical mind. Um, to begin with, although, so light languages is using and speaking light languages is, has nothing to do, is not a possessive trance or anything like this. You don't have to be possessed. <laughs> well, actually, you seriously should not uh, go into any sort of trance state like this. But it's not a possessive trance where you are possessed by a high being and, you know, your eyes roll and you fall on the floor and start uh, screaming. That might not be healthy. It can be outright dangerous. No, you can switch it on and off at your will. And that's where many people who maybe already have it can get stuck and and kind of expect, you know, something supernatural to happen. No, you you have a choice. You can switch it off. You don't want to speak it. You don't have to. You can switch it on with your will and just start start using it, right? When you feel you need healing. When you feel you need some vibrational realignment. Because words have the power to create and to destroy. And it does not need to be understood by the mind. We, especially in the Western culture, we think we have to understand everything, to dissect everything. Well, my experience with holy language, with those sacred languages, for example, Arabic, says that no, you don't have to understand to experience a healing from a healing passage. I don't understand, but I feel the healing happening and my, my subtle body's realigning and I feel a change happening deep within me. So I don't need to understand to receive vibrational healing. And so the same thing happens with the light language. You have the choice. It's not a possession trance. But the best way for me to practice, to start practicing it, is to, of course, be in a high vibration, feel full, feel full of light, and 
check in or maybe you already had this experience and you received a profound healing when you felt full of light when you felt really light filled was there a moment when you thought oh i i could just start singing but oh my goodness i don't know what to sing next time this happens or even recalling that moment recalling that state check in if your tongue wants to utter something it can be as simple as la 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 let it come and see what it creates right because you you have to start somewhere it it just flows so the whole purpose of those more you know mystical experiences like laying on, on of hands or uh, you know kind of being touched by the spirit etc is to switch off the mind because you have a choice everything that comes from the light everything that comes from higher frequency is never going to impose itself on you you have a choice to switch it off if i don't want to hear the truth i will not hear it right I, I, it can scream at me until you know i'm sick and bedridden maybe then i'll listen and even that is not guaranteed but if i don't want to hear the truth i will not hear it i have a choice so let the the conscious mind go you always have control the light language you can start and stop it at any time you can say oh, it's not for me or you can just use it as part of your meditation for example as part of your daily practice and see also how it feels in your body um, for those of us who are more clairsentient for example it often has a physical sensation in the body i can feel sometimes my energy centers realign and and so on but it's um, um <coughs> he ultimately a healing modality a healing frequency if you want an experience of it i have um on my website and i'm going to post the link here uh, the healing um, with mary magdalene a very simple um, multi-day journey where I was in southern France just before a uh, few months before the COVID uh, pandemic just when we had this final realignment I didn't know it at the time but it was just the time when our planet was preparing right for the, uh, the 2020s uh, the, this major shift it was October 2019 is exactly when those gateways were opening and I received um, a few channeled messages for heart healing very very uh, short and simple and I use some light languages there so if you if you're interested I can post you a link uh, to download um, and hear those messages and hear how some of those light languages sound and if it's anything for you if you feel it realigning your your field right if you feel it doing something because if you don't then it's probably not for you uh, but if it changes your vibration changes the resonance then it may be something that you want to explore further
and uh, and work with with light languages more and yes if there are any questions uh, you can always get in touch um, my email is uh, inga inga at healing-radiance.com um, so if you have any questions about light languages specifically or how to uh, how to receive them how to use them and so on but make sure to check out that um, download um, for healing with Mary Magdalene so thank you for listening and until next time I wish you all the blessings <laughs>